We're in week number three of our series this morning called One Another. And if you've been here with us for the last couple of weeks, you know what this series is about. But for some reason, um, if, if you have bumped your head this week and lost you know, all memory or you haven't been here, what this series is about is we are looking at not all of them, but several of the one another commandments that are in the New Testament. These are commandments that obviously that the, the, um, the, the Word of God says that we should uh, implement into our lives. And the purpose behind these uh, commandments is so that we would grow closer as a church family and so that we would be actually doing the works of Jesus and that we could model to the world what a wholesome, healthy, thriving community looks like. We are to be salt and light to this world, and the way that happens is by us growing closer to one another. Week number one, we looked at what the Apostle Paul said about how that we are members of one another. That means all of us have a vital role in the body of Christ, which is the church. We are here for one another. We all have a, a, a role to play so that overall the body can be more effective and stronger in our unity and harmony so that we can effectively reach people for Christ. How many realize that when the body as a whole is stronger, we can do more and reach, reach more people? So that was week number one. Last week, we talked about love one another, which is uh, the most frequently used commandment uh, of the one another commandments throughout the Bible, to love one another, not just the people that are easy to love, but even Jesus tells us anyone can love someone who's, who's easy to love. The challenge is loving people who are difficult to love. And so we looked at that commandment today. Everybody say today. We are going to look at the commandment, accept one another. Accept one another. Not E-X-C-E-P-T, accept. Like I can love everyone except them. But accept, A-C-C-E-P-T, accept one another. Here's the scripture, Romans chapter 15, verse 7. The Apostle Paul says this, Therefore, accept one another just as Christ has accepted you so that God will be given glory. Now we're going we're gonna to back up and we're going to read here in just a moment because one of the things that hopefully you've learned from me is anytime you see the word therefore, it's there for a reason. That means you've got to back up and you've got to read what the therefore is there for. Is that, is that deep? Or is, man, that's deep right there. <laughs> um, so anyway, but in this commandment, here, here's what we see. We see a what, we see a how, and we see a why. What, how, and why. And the what is accept one another. What are we supposed to do as brothers and sisters in Christ? What are we supposed to do as, as members of the body of Christ? We are supposed to accept one another. Okay? Well, what does that mean and how do I do that? The Bible says that we are to accept one another as Christ has accepted you. Aren't you thankful that Christ has accepted you? with all your faults, with all your failures, with all your setbacks and all your mistakes and all your lack of education and all of those things, Christ has accepted you. And why should we do that? The Bible says we should do that so that God will receive glory and praise. That's interesting, isn't it? How, how many want to bring God glory and you want, to, you want to praise the Lord? I believe that's probably all of us. Well, one of the ways that we do that is by accepting other people just like Christ has accepted us. And when we do that, we're bringing honor to God. We're bringing praise to God. We're glorifying our heavenly 
Father. Now, I, I want to back up to chapter 14 now, and I, wanna, I want us to look deeper into this, uh, this, um, this challenge of accepting one another uh, that, that Paul has commanded us to do. And I want to see exactly what he was dealing with when he gave this commandment. All right? So we're going to back up at Romans chapter number 14. We're going to begin at verse number one. I have a lot of scripture. We are going to take certain uh, portions and kind of read different segments, but we're going to read all the way down to verse 22. So you guys ready? All right, bear with me this morning. My throat's a little bit dry. Uh, Romans chapter 14, verse 1 says this, Accept those whose faith is weak without passing judgment on disputable matters. Now that word disputable, disputable matters is very important. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. God help them. Verse 3. I have never preached from this. This is, this is new for me, first for me, uh, not the Bible, okay? For if you're new, like, you've never preached from the Bible before? I've never preached from this passage, so this is going to be interesting this morning. Verse number 3. Those who feel free to eat anything must not look, on down, look down on those who don't. And those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive His approval. In the same way, some think that one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor Him. Those who eat any kind of food do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods also want to please the Lord and give thanks to God. Now skip down to verse 13. So let's stop condemning each other, or one another. Decide instead to live in such a way that you will not cause another believer to stumble and fall. I know and I am convinced on the authority of the Lord Jesus that no food in and of itself is wrong to eat. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Ooh, I just felt the Spirit of the Lord there. I like me some crab legs and... and uh, you know, shrimp and all those scoundrels, whatever they're called, the bottom dwellers, you know. Not scoundrels, what's the word? No, that's not what I'm talking about. But anyway, the things that bottom feeders, you know, the nasty stuff. Anyway. <laughs> all right, where was we? I done, I done lost. Verse, verse, here we go. <laughs> but if someone believes it is wrong, watch this, if you believe it's wrong, then for you it's wrong. If, the, if someone believes it's wrong, then for that person, it is wrong. Verse 15, and if another believer is distressed by what you eat, you are not acting in love if you eat it. Don't let your eating ruin someone for whom Christ died. Now, this, this is a challenging message, so, so, so hold on to this. Verse number 19, so then let us aim for what? Harmony. Verse 19, next one. There we go. Let us aim for harmony. What's the goal behind these one another commandments? So that we'll have harmony, so that we'll have unity in the body of Christ. That is the goal. The goal is not whose belief is better, who's right, who's wrong. The goal is 
harmony. So let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember, all foods are acceptable. But it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you are doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. Now back to our main text, chapter 15, verse 7. Therefore, accept one another... Next slide, please. Therefore, accept one another. There we go. Just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. So, I just read you quite a few verses there that gives you some content and some context as to what the Apostle Paul is talking about. Paul is addressing an issue or speaking to an issue that was causing a lot of tension and friction and division among the believers. Everybody say believers. This was a problem in the church. So, so the apostle Paul is addressing this. Now at the time of this writing, um, there, it, it's only been a few years, probably 20 or 25 years since Jesus had come to the earth, had preached the gospel, had lived the gospel, had died on the cross for our sins, had resurrected, and had established the new covenant. So these guys that are believers are, are, are wrestling with this idea of moving from an old covenant to, to a new covenant. And so although, although they believed in Jesus and they followed Jesus, some of them had a hard time of letting go of some traditions or some religious practices that they felt were necessary. Many of them had what we call personal convictions. Just say that, personal convictions, because we're going to talk a lot about that this morning. They, they felt that, you know, yes, I choose to follow Jesus, and yes, this is right, I believe in Him, but I just, I just can't eat certain things, or I just can't abstain from certain things, because I just, I just don't feel that that's right, or I feel that this is wrong. So they were struggling with these personal convictions. For example, as we've learned from this writing, some of them thought that, that certain types of foods were okay to eat, and others thought, no, you shouldn't eat those types of food because it's not right to eat them. Some of them thought that uh, this day, uh, whether it was Sunday, Saturday, Friday, Monday, whatever, this day was sacred to the Lord. And others said, no, it's not that day. It's, it's this day. And some said, no, it's every day. And so there was, there was a lot of, of friction because they were trying to take their personal convictions and they were trying to push them over onto other believers. And so Paul was addressing this issue. He was saying, listen, it's, it's not about what you eat. It's not about what you don't eat. It's not about what day you think is more sacred than the other. He says, it's all about following Jesus. And it's okay to have personal convictions. Just don't allow those personal convictions to, to, to allow you to pass judgment on other believers. This was an issue. How in the world were they supposed to get along when one of them agreed that it's okay to eat this or it's okay to drink this? And, and others didn't. Now you're, you're causing division in the church and you got different small groups and they're talking about this small group over here. Well, can you believe that they were drinking this? Or can you believe they were eating that? It was a mess. And so Paul is having to address this. Now, 
we do have to be clear about something before we talk about these personal convictions because there are some things that, that I would call um, absolute truths or foundational truths or foundational principles that, that they are the non-negotiables. They are the, the essential things in the Word of God. In other words, they are not a disputable matter. That's why I said that phrase is very important. Paul said, you know, who dis they disagree on disputable matters. That phrase is very important. But there are some things that are biblical foundations that there are no, there are no uh, disputes. There is no debating that. It is what the Word of God says. For example, we believe here at this church that Jesus is the Son of God. There's, there's no debating that. Amen? That's, the Bible is very, very clear on that. We believe here at this church that Jesus is the only way to heaven. There, there, that is not a disputable matter. That is a non-negotiable. That is a, an essential. The Bible says that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me. That is, the Bible is very clear on that. We also believe that one day that Jesus is coming back. Amen. Y'all in the right church this morning? We, we, believe, we believe that one day Jesus is going to come back. When he ascended into the heaven, there were people standing around saying, oh, please don't leave. And there were two angels that were there and says, it's okay. Why are, you, why are you standing here depressed? This same Jesus that you're seeing going into heaven, he's going to come again in like manner. Jesus told his followers, he says, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And if I go away, I, I'm coming again. So the fact that Jesus is coming back, that is a, a non-negotiable. You cannot dispute that. However, we don't know when it's going to happen. That is a, it's a disputable matter. Some people believe it's going to happen before the tribulation. Some people think it's going to happen in the middle of the tribulation. Other people think it's going to happen at the end. And a lot of people are just not sure. And those are, those are what I would call personal convictions. They're really non-essentials. The, the point is that Jesus is coming back. Be ready. Okay, so they, they were struggling over this. There were, there were personal convictions that were causing division. And Paul was saying, listen, you can't let your personal convictions allow you to pass judgment on other people simply because they believe something different than you do. Now, in the days of Paul, it was very common for uh, people to kill certain animals goats, lambs, sheep, various animals, and they would kill those and they would offer the body of that animal as a sacrifice to a pagan god. Okay? Not a real god, a, a pagan god. And then after the sacrifice was over, they would take whatever meat was left from this animal, y'all pay attention to this, they would sell it to the market. And then people from all around the town or all around the counties would go to this market and they would buy food and take it home and cook it and eat it. And a lot of the believers didn't have a problem with this. A lot of the believers would go to the market and they say, hey man, look at that prime rib. That looks awesome. Look at that ribeye there. Look at this slab of meat. Man, that looks good. And they would purchase that meat. They would take it home. They would cook it and eat it. And there were other believers who would say, I can't believe you're eating that meat. People who are heathens have handled that meat. People who are, who are practicing 
pagan worship have handled that meat. I can't believe that you're eating that. Do you not realize that, you know, that, that part of that animal was offered as a sacrifice? And they're thinking, it's, it's just meat. I mean, it really doesn't matter. There were people who stopped going to the market because after all, oh, I can't go to that place anymore. They're selling meat that was offered to idols. And there was this this disagreement among the believers and and Paul was saying, we are not going to have this argument. We're we're not going to argue over whether you think this is right to eat this and you think that it's wrong to eat this. We're not going to have this argument. We're just simply going to follow Jesus and we're not going to pass our judgments, our personal convictions on to other believers. Now, as I was sitting there talking about that, I know a lot of you people have, probably were thinking, well, that's, that was foolish for them to argue over that. can't believe they would argue over that. But did you know that we still have issues that divide us like this today? <laughs> In the church? As a matter of fact, that is one of, if not the main reason, why we have so many different denominations in the Christian faith. Because of personal convictions. We have some, some churches or some Christians who believe that, you know, it's, it's, it's not right to have instruments in, in the house of worship. You shouldn't, we can sing songs, but it's going to be a cappella. You know, instruments, it's just not right to have those. There, there are churches or Christians who believe that, that women shouldn't wear pants or shouldn't wear um, uh, jeans, that they should only wear skirts. And I'm not just trying to point out certain ones. I'm just trying to give some examples um, so you'll understand uh, some of the issues that we have today. And if a woman is caught wearing pants or, or jeans, it's just like, that's an abomination. I can't, how dare you do that? And, and so you have to wear a skirt. And some of them, they don't believe in makeup. And, and I'm, I thank God for makeup, you know. That's great. I'll just leave it at that. But, you know, <laughs> you know but we, some don't believe that that's, all right, guys, calm down. We, but anyway... We just, you know, that's wrong if we wear makeup or that's, you know, you need makeup. There's all these different personal convictions. I can remember, I can remember growing up. Now, it really wasn't preached this way. It was kind of just implied that, you know, as a Christian, you shouldn't, you shouldn't go to the movie theater. You know, that's just, that's just worldly. You shouldn't do that. And I, I remember as a teenager, my youth pastor was telling us, you know, uh, to not listen to any kind of music unless it was Christian music. And I just want to say this. Um, I grew up as a teenager. It was in the 80s. And 80s Christian music was boring. I mean, and what I mean, let, let, me, let me explain what I mean by that. Because as a teenager, I don't know if it's still hip to do, I don't know if hip's even a right word, but I don't know if it's still in style to do this today. But as a teenager, we would roll the windows down and we'd drive through town and we would just blare our music. And, and, you know, and when, we, when you got saved, you still wanted to do that, but you wanted, you wanted it to be God-honoring music. But it, it just wasn't cool. As a matter of fact, it was just downright embarrassing to crank up Amy Grant or Stephen Curtis Chapman or, or Michael W. Smith. And, and Now, he's come a long ways, by the way, but um, it just wasn't cool. It was embarrassing. How many, know, how many Christians, you know what I'm talking about? It was good, godly music, but your friends were like, what is that? None of you... Y'all were, y'all were heathens. Y'all didn't even attempt to listen to Christian music, did you? 
But now, now today, today the Christian music is, man, it's come a long way. There's some good stuff. There's some stuff that, some Toby Mac stuff that you can crank and be cool. And people's like, man, that's good. What is it? It's Toby Mac. You know, it's Christian stuff. But a long time ago, it wasn't as cool. And so my youth pastor, and I believe his intentions were good, but I believe he had some personal convictions that he were try, was trying to pass over and push over onto some of the kids. And, you know, if the music, if the guitar had any distortion to it at all, it was like of the devil. That's just like, I don't care what the words are, I can tell just by the guitar distortion that that is not godly. But, uh, <laughs> but it was a... It was, it was a personal conviction that he was trying to push over onto other people. And it was causing division. It was causing friction. It was causing tension. Now, now go back with me to Romans 14, verse number 1. And I want to begin to dissect this and, and how we're to deal with this as, as believers. The Apostle Paul, he says here, except those whose faith is weak. Now, we've highlighted that phrase, whose faith is weak. Very important. Without passing judgment on disputable matters. Now, you would think that someone whose faith is weak would be a new convert. That's just kind of what you would think, right? I mean, you would think that whose faith is weak, he's talking about someone who's just recently gotten saved, who doesn't, you know, they haven't been through the growth track. They haven't been through, you know, discipleship 101. I mean, they're just, they're, they're really new to the Lord. But Paul defines in the very next verse who he means by the phrase, those who are weak in the faith. Look at this. Verse 2, he says, For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Paul is describing those who are weak in the faith. He's describing those who believe that abstaining from certain foods or only eating specific foods, they think that that's what makes them better or makes them a stronger Christian. For example, people are saying, I'm not going to eat that meat because that meat was touched by sinners. Or I'm not going to go to that market anymore because they serve meat that came from animals that were sacrificed to pagan gods. Now, on the outside, it would look like someone who has strong personal convictions would be more solid in their walk with God, doesn't it? it? On the outside, it looks like, man, they're really strong Christians. They don't, they don't eat that meat. They don't drink this. You know, they don't, they don't do this. They're following all these rules. They look like a really strong Christian. And Paul is saying, no, it's, it's really quite the opposite. Those who are so sold on this, 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 uh, this sensitive conscience, who, who don't believe that it's right to eat this or who struggle with, with doing this, those are the weak ones. He says, because they don't, they have, they're having trouble experiencing freedom in Christ. They are still clinging to tradition. They're still clinging to uh, religious practices. They're still clinging to certain things that they think are making them holy. And Paul is saying, that's the person who is actually weak in their faith. Now look at, at verse 1 of chapter 15. Paul changes it instead of saying those who are weak. Now he says, we who are strong. He's talking about, now I'm going to describe those who are strong in the faith. We who are strong, we must be considerate of those who are sensitive about things like this. We must not just please ourselves. Paul is putting himself um, in the, the classification as a strong Christian. One who has found true freedom in Christ. 
one who is not bound by legalism or not bound by tradition, but, but one who understands where his identity comes from, where his holiness comes from, what makes him right with God. It's not about do's and don'ts. It's about the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Paul is saying, I'm strong in the faith because I have found true freedom in Christ. All right, now, but watch what he says. What he's saying here is that the strong ones are actually the ones who are free from the oppression of legalism. And he addresses these issues further in 1 Corinthians chapter number 8. If you want to turn there, you can. If not, you can follow along on the screen. 1 Corinthians chapter number 8, verse 4 through 8. Paul says, so what about, he's answering questions, so what about eating meat that has been offered to idols? Because remember, a lot of people thought that this is wrong because this meat was offered to a, uh, an idol. And so Paul is addressing this. He says, well, watch this. This is very important. He says, we all know that an idol is not really a god. And there is only one God. In other words, for those who think, oh, I'm not going to eat this because it was offered to, a, to an idol. It was offered to a false God. Paul is saying, well, we all know that there's only one God. There are not other gods. There's just one God. So first of all, this idol that you think is, is a real God is not even real. He says, there may be so-called gods both in heaven and on earth, and some people actually worship many gods and many lords. But for us, as Christians, there is one God, the Father by whom all things were created and for whom we live. And there is one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all things were created and through whom we live. However, watch this, now he's going to address the issue. Not all believers know this. Some are accustomed to thinking of idols as being real. So when they eat food that has been offered to idols, they think of it as the worship of real gods. And their weak consciences are violated. It's true that we can't win God's approval by what we eat. Look at this next phrase. We don't lose anything if we don't eat it, and we don't gain anything if we do. Hey, here's, what, here's what Paul is saying. He says, there's some people who believe that you know, they're going to lose something if they eat that kind of food, and other people are thinking that they're going to gain something by eating it. And Paul is saying, we, we, don't, we don't lose anything if we don't eat it, and we don't gain anything if we do. He's saying, it's just food. It's, it's just food. It's just meat. It, it doesn't matter what you're trying to tie it to. It's just Food. It's just meat. Now, I want to I I camp here. Uh, camp. Maybe I shouldn't use that because that sounds like I'm going to be here for a while. I want to spend a few moments right here for just a moment. Because I believe that there is a tendency by a lot of Christians to want to stop going to places. Look at your neighbor. So this is going to be good. There's a tendency by a lot of Christians to want to stop going to places, to want to stop supporting businesses, to want to stop eating at restaurants who have a different theological belief than they do. It's about to get real. I'm just, uh, we're going to talk about the real issue at hand. There's a lot of people who say, well, I just, I just won't go there because, you know, I know the owner and he's, man, he's just evil. I'm, I'm not going to go there and because, you know, they just believe some weird things. I'm not going to shop at JCPenney's anymore because one time I was watching TV and I saw a commercial. There were two gay guys on there. I just can't shop at JCPenney anymore. I'm not going to go to Target. Y'all remember a few years ago, this was a big deal. 
I'm going to, and I'm not getting any, any uh, cutback or any, you know, paid promotion for Target by saying this, but a lot of people, I'm going to boycott Target because, you know, the whole transgender thing and, you know, anybody from any gender can go in any bathroom and we support this and people, you know, Christians are going to boycott Target and, you know, Starbucks came out several years ago and, you know, they were supportive of, of, uh, of a uh, same-sex marriage and people's like, I'm not going to go to Starbucks anymore, you know, because I just, I just can't do that. It's just, it's just coffee. That's all. I can promise you this. Now, I'm not, I don't, not big on their coffee. I love coffee. I'm not a big Starbucks coffee. But when I want a raspberry mocha frappuccino, write that down, put that in your notes. When I, if I want a raspberry mocha frappuccino, guess where I'm going? Starbucks. I don't care what they believe about anything else. I'm just there for the frappuccino. I'm just there for the other drink. It doesn't doesn't matter what they they believe. I'm just there for for the drink. The drink has not got an evil spirit of homosexuality in it. I don't got to pray over that. It's just just a drink. Come on, y'all are quiet this morning. That's okay. I know a lot, of, a lot of Christians when, I believe it was Ruby Tuesdays, when, when they announced that they were going to start selling alcohol. So many Christians, I'll never go to that place again. Because they sell alcohol. Let, let, me just, let me give you a little bit of advice this morning. You, you can actually go to a restaurant that sells alcohol and not drink the alcohol. I didn't know if you knew that, but I just, I just want to put that out there, Okay. But there are a lot of Christians who stopped going to this restaurant because they served alcohol. And now it's hard to find a restaurant in town that doesn't serve alcohol. And some, some Christians are like, well, I can't go there. You know, I can't go there. The only place I can go is Chick-fil-A and they're not even open on Sundays. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I'm kind of glad that you don't want to go to these places because it actually makes the wait for a table a lot shorter when you're not there. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just being real with you this morning, okay? There's so many people that, that, that this is their mentality. Well, I, I, I can't go there because, you know, these people are evil or, or I know the owners or they do some things that are just wrong or I, I can't support this because they have a different theology than me. They just don't believe the same as me. Here's what I want you to consider. Um, that car that you drive, the house that you live in, that phone that you talk on all the time, the TV that you watch, that couch that you just lay out on when you get home, there's a good chance that it was built and made by people who believe something different than you. And, and where are you going to draw the line? If, if, if your mentality is to stop supporting businesses or to stop going places or eating at restaurants because they believe something different than you, eventually you won't have anywhere to go. Now, why am I telling you all that this morning? Because this is a modern day issue. This is what Paul was addressing back then. It's very similar to what I just shared with you right now. People don't understand their true freedom in Christ. It's it's just food. It's It's just coffee. It's just a business. Just because I go there doesn't mean I identify with their beliefs. Just want some coffee. So I'll be, you know, calm and chill when I go to church later. We, we are going to encounter people who view things differently than we do, even in the church, among believers. 
So how do we deal with that? How do we accept one another? Let's, let's read again. Verse 19 of Romans 14. Paul says, so then let us aim for, here's that word again, let's, let us aim for harmony in the church and try to build each other up. Don't tear apart the work of God over what you eat. Remember all foods, everybody say all foods, are acceptable, but it is wrong to eat something if it makes another person stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else if it might cause another believer to stumble. Now this next verse is very, very Have I said very, it's very important. And you're going to see why here in just a moment when I read another passage. But but look at verse 22. You may believe there's nothing wrong with what you are doing, but keep it between yourself and God. Blessed are those who don't feel guilty for doing something they have decided is right. Now I have to clarify this, okay? Because he is not talking about sin. A lot of people say, well, see right here, it says, the Bible says, if I've decided it's right, then it's okay. No, 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 no. We're talking about disputable matters, which are not clear in the word of God. It doesn't mean that, well, see, you know, I don't feel wrong for having sex with my boyfriend. So that's, you know, the Bible says, if I feel that it's okay, just to keep that between me and God, that is not what he's talking about. Are we clear on that? He's talking about disputable matters, things that maybe the word of God is, is not clear on. Okay, so um, uh, now skip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse, verse 9. He says this, he says, You must be careful so that your freedom, your freedom in Christ, does not cause others with a weaker conscience to stumble. Now, let's stop here for just a second. Because a lot of people who have discovered their true freedom in Christ, a lot of people, they're not going to feel wrong for for going and eating at certain places or going to Starbucks or, or buying you know, Tide laundry detergent regardless of what their commercials you know, portray. They, they don't feel wrong about it. It's just laundry detergent. It's just, it's just clothes I'm buying. It's just shoes. It's just coffee. They don't feel wrong about it because they have freedom in Christ. They know that, that that's not tied to their true identity. But Paul says, but make sure that your freedom doesn't cause another believer to stumble. I want to use for a good example this morning the, the issue of drinking wine. Let, let's talk about that for just a second because this, this seems to be one that a lot of believers are divided on. A lot of, a lot of people, you know, that cause a lot of tension and a lot of friction. And the idea here is that if you want to have a glass of wine at your house for dinner, then, then, then have a glass of wine at your house for dinner. You may not feel that there's anything wrong with that. And I think, biblically speaking, you would probably be safe to think that. There's not anywhere in Scripture that spells out you can't do this. It just says, don't be drunk with wine, where is an excess? All right? But you shouldn't do it in the company of other believers who think that it's wrong. That's the context here. This is what Paul is addressing. You shouldn't do it around weaker Christians. You may not feel that there's anything wrong with it. And for you, it's okay. And that, that's fine. But he said, don't do it around other believers who believe that there is something wrong with that. And especially don't do it around other believers who are recovering alcoholics. I mean, there's some, there's some wisdom that has to be used here. I hope this helps people. I know if I, I was, I really wrestled over this. Like, God, is this really something that we should teach? And it's like, all Scripture is inspired by God. You know, we've got to teach on all of this. 
Because what happens is if, if you don't know what the Word says, it, it creates division and tension and friction in the church. And, and now we're passing judgment on other people because, I can't believe, did you only drunk wine the other night? Like, just, you know, their sinners are going to hell. That's the way some people feel. So, so we have to address this. But the idea behind what Paul is teaching here is that, listen, it's, it's, it's not about agreeing with other people. It's about respect. As a matter of fact, write this down. Acceptance is not a sign of agreement. Acceptance is a sign of respect. This is the whole, really, principle behind this, this teaching by Paul is that you have to learn to respect other people. Other people are wired different. Other people don't have the same personal convictions that you have, and that's okay, but we have to strive to accept one another so there can be harmony in the church. We're always going to find people who see things differently and have different convictions than we do, but our role is not to push our personal convictions onto other people. Just because we may have freedom in that area doesn't mean that it's okay to do those things in front of those people who don't have that freedom. Are y'all hearing this? Okay, this is what we have to think about. Somebody's like, well, I don't, I don't feel wrong for drinking a glass of wine. That's fine. That's, if you feel that you can do that, then do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Just, just be respectful to other people's personal convictions. I mean, if there's someone who absolutely refuses to go to Ruby Tuesdays because they sell alcohol, and I call them and say, hey, hey, man, hey, Austin, you want to meet me at Ruby Tuesdays uh, Friday? I want to talk to you. He said, oh, no, I, I don't agree with Ruby Tuesdays. I, I just refuse to go there. I'm not going to make a big stink over that. I'm going to just say, okay, pick the place. Where do you want to go? <laughs> Are y'all getting this? There, there's no reason to argue over it. We have to show respect for other believers through acceptance so that we can bring praise to God. Remember the what, the, the how, the why. We're commanded to, to accept one another. How? As Christ has accepted us. Why? So that we can bring praise and glory to God. The world doesn't need to see Christians divided over personal convictions. Always bickering and complaining and fighting and church splits because this church over here, they want to have communion with, with real wine and this church over here wants to have communion and, but it's got to be grape juice. We're not going to have a church split over that. I've lost half of you, I know, but that's okay. I'm almost finished. All right, let, let's, let's wrap up with this right here. Not only are we supposed to accept other, one another as believers, but we are also supposed to accept unbelievers. Now, let me, let, me, let me clarify something here. The word accept is, is translated in other Bibles or other translations as welcome, receive, embrace. So it kind of, it, kind of, it doesn't change the meaning, but it changes the way that you perceive it when you hear those words. Paul says, welcome others just as Christ has welcomed you. Receive others just as Christ has received you. Embrace others just as Christ has embraced you. And you cannot do that without love. In fact, write this down, it's impossible to love one another without accepting one another. And once again, you're, you're, it's not agreement, right? But respect for the fact that that is a human being. That is God's creation. I'm going to receive them. I'm going to welcome them. I'm going to embrace them because people matter to God. And if they matter to God, they should matter to us. I can't love that person if I don't 
accept that per- person. Acceptance doesn't mean approval. Doesn't mean that you approve of their lifestyle. Doesn't mean that you agree with the way that they're living. It doesn't mean that, yeah, you're, you're right and I'm wrong. It's, it's not that. Acceptance means that you care about them and you respect them. In fact, last note I want you to write down, my love for others is found in the way I accept others. You want to know whether or not you're really loving people? How are you accepting people? How are you welcoming people? How are you receiving people? How are you embracing people? In a world that we live in today that's full of so much hatred and so much division over political beliefs, Republicans, Democrats, and, and uh, uh, independents, and, and people who have different uh, theological beliefs, and people who have different social beliefs. The church, listen, the church is called to love and accept. We have to get rid of this me versus you mentality. We have to get rid of this us versus them mentality. We have to get, watch this, we have to get rid of this church versus the world mentality. And we have to have a clear understanding that all of us are God's creation. And all of us are human beings who are in need of a Savior. I've been guilty of this. I'll be the first to admit I've been guilty of like, well, you know, they're just, they're just, they're sinners. We we have this, this, this thing that where we say, you know, uh, uh, what is it? We say we, we, we hate the sin, but we love the sinners. Did you know, and I know what we mean by that, but immediately you are, you are throwing up this us versus them mentality. When you're saying, you know, they're a sinner. We, we've all, we're all sinners who are in need of God's saving and amazing grace. They are an individual just like you are an individual who needs the hope and the grace and the care and the compassion of a loving Savior. And if immediately we're we're stereotyping them and classifying them as as below us, we're never going to reach them. You have to accept them. Not agree with their lifestyle, but accept them, welcome them. Jesus did this so many times throughout the Gospels. When the the woman was, was brought to him, he was caught in the act of adultery. Jesus didn't say that what she was doing was okay. But you know what he did? He welcomed her. He accepted her. He loved her. But he also told her, now go and sin no more. Folks, we, as a church, as Christians who have the message of hope, we're, we're, that message is going to be neglected by the world if we don't learn to embrace them and learn to accept them. The Bible says, watch this. I, I'm finished, I promise you. I am, I am landing gears down. I'm, I'm coming down. How do I say this? The Bible talks about it's, it's the kindness of God that brings people to repentance. Do you know how that kindness of God is displayed to the world? Through me as a believer. So instead of repelling people, instead of driving people away, instead of classifying them as sinners, and here I am over here, I'm righteous and holy. I'm going to be kind to them. I'm going to welcome them. I'm going to embrace them because it's that kindness of God that will eventually draw them to repentance. I want to pray over you this morning. For those of you that may be in this room today, maybe... 
Maybe you're looking at this message in another light. Maybe, maybe you're one who's always had trouble of feeling like that you were accepted. Maybe you've been rejected by your family. You've been rejected uh, by others. I, I'm here to tell you today that you have a loving God. We sung the song last week. He's a good, good Father. He loves you unconditionally. You are accepted into His family if you'll just simply call out to Him and say, God, forgive me. God's not going to hold your past against you. God's not going to push you away and say, no, you're disqualified. God is going to welcome you with open arms and accept you into His family. For others of you that are in this room who are already believers, I'm here to tell you I'm praying for a, 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 a work of grace to, to just envelop you this morning to where when you see people, you don't see their sin, you don't see their lifestyle, but you see an individual who's in need of Jesus. And that you've been called and commissioned to accept them, to love them, to encourage them, and to bring them into the family of God. So Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, God, you know the work that needs to be done in this room today. You know the work that needs to be done in the lives of those who will watch this online at a later date. And I pray right now, Lord, that not my words, but that your Holy Spirit, Lord, would just begin to envelop the room that they're in, begin to envelop their minds and their life and their heart. And that you would let us see people the way that you see people that they are human beings who need to be respected, that, that though we may not agree with their ways and their beliefs and their lifestyles, God, they are still human beings. They're your creation who you want to draw into your family. And God, I pray that you would help us to embrace people and to welcome people and not to shun people, but to love them and accept them. God, for brothers and sisters uh, in the church family, God, who have different personal convictions, God, we've learned today that it's okay to have those personal convictions. If we believe that certain things are right and others don't, it's, it's okay. We'll do the things that are right and, and, and or we'll believe, do what we believe is right and other people don't have to do that. We're not going to force that upon them. God, we're going to strive for harmony. So God, help us today. Help us to become more like you so that we may reach this world for Christ. God, if there's one in this room today who does not know you, who's never acknowledged you as Lord and Savior of their life, God, I pray that today that they would know that you want to accept them and that you want to call them into your family. And that they would do that today, that they would surrender to you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.